Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to episode one of season two of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. We referenced it last week after determining Superbad to be the best comedy movie since 1993. Well, now we'll be determining the best action movie since 1990. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always. Well, we would have had Keenan Bonner here. Unfortunately, can't be with us today. So uh, we've got new season, new panel. We're joined for a rare occasion here by Sean Shute, so it's nice of him to uh, join us here. And we've got Jack Harper stepping into TK's shoes, you may know him from a Monday night, to spice things up. The <laughs> matchup we'll be tackling today is our number one seed, 2008's The Dark Knight, versus 2011's The Raid Redemption. How's everyone doing after that intro? Very well, very well indeed. I will say, as much as everyone denies it, I this could be the end of me, this podcast, because the three of you together are the biggest rustlers in podcast history. <laughs> I, so I don't see, even have like a common denominator to blame. Well, the, the problem we've but got you here... you are the common denominator, though. I'm not. I've got wireless headphones, so it's not me. <laughs> There's no wires to rustle. I think that you give TK like, an, like, like a glazed look on this, because... I give... Yeah. I do, I, I do, but it's because... We've done plenty where it's just me and him before, and we've not had an issue. But I look at it on a Monday night, and you can see who's making noise, and it's usually TK. And then so you shout at me first, and Alex for it. This is the first issue TK's going to have now, not doing season two, because he could have defended himself here. Yeah. yeah but he's yeah, not it's, able it's to. The per- it's the perfect crime for TK, though, because you know <laughs> he'll never get blamed. <laughs> is it a coincidence that we've swapped one member of Team Ginger for a second member of Team Ginger? Who knows? It's the best team to be a part of. Team friend. Strawberry Blonde in uh, 2020. <laughs> so we're going to follow the same format as we did last season. I was going to say last year then. It does feel like it was a long season. But we've got the two films. We'll go through them, the critics' reviews, the synopsis, that kind of thing. And we have a different set of categories this time with some similarities. And for round one, we'll judge it in person. So if you particularly like a film, Jack... Sean is very much a floating voter. You can charm him if you can get in ahead of him right. and uh, alter his decision. Um, and if anyone, this is their first time listening, maybe Jack's bringing in some new listeners with him. We have <laughs> the entourage. Hey, you might do. We've got 15 criteria to judge from. Obviously, when there's four of us, then we can have a tie. So if it does come down to a tie at the end of it, it goes down to which film we preferred. And if, again, that's a tie, then it goes to rewatchability. And then the difference on this occasion would be that we'll go for best moment slash scene of a best quote, because action films, as much as we love them, they just aren't as quotable as comedy films. We were spending about 40 minutes of an episode last time reeling off with Keenan doing voices. So anyway, our one seed is the perfect place to start with The Dark Knight. The synopsis for those who have been living under a rock when the menace known as the Joker wreaks havoc and chaos on the people of Gotham, Batman must accept one of the greatest psychological and physical tests of his ability to fight injustice. I feel like I shouldn't need to say this, but 
there will yeah. be spoilers in this podcast. <laughs> I find it strange that people would listen to a film podcast having not seen the films, but I know Keenan does do that on occasion, so there will be spoilers here. So I don't want any complaints in the comments that uh, that that's happening. You've got a lot to see here, Jack, because the comments we get on some of these uh, podcasts... No, I've, I've seen a few of them as well, and I think... When people pop up telling us they've not seen the film. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see how we go. So, The Dark Knight, Jack, I know you're a big fan of this film. Yeah. So this is a, a good episode for you to uh, jump in on. I think that's a good place to start. Definitely. And I think the fact, the main reason with The Dark Knight is it's the first superhero movie that wasn't classed as a superhero movie, potentially. Yeah, what we'll do is I'll go through the critics' reviews now and then we'll have a bit of a wider talk because it might open up some and probably cross off some boxes. So a masterpiece, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight is not only one of the greatest comic book movies you ever see, but also one of the best films of all time. Heath Ledger gives one of the best performances of the last 20 years. When you watch his take on the Joker, it's one of complete surprise and mystery. It's frightening with how chaotic and mischievous he makes him. The definitive movie of its genre and the best Batman film to date. I humbly disagree, but... Uh, the film oh, is only... Your, as... your Batman take is awful. Which Batman are you film. going for? Batman and Robin with George Clooney and Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. I knew that you would pick that one. It's a great film. Uh, A film is only as good as its villain. By that standard, The Dark Knight achieves true greatness. It might not be the most fun superhero movie ever made, but it's certainly the most mature, complex and intriguing of them all. This may seem like faint praise, but about the highest compliment I can give Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight right now is to say that there were many long stretches during which I didn't even realise it was a superhero movie. couple more. Too much psychology and not enough pop. This film shows that it's possible to be too serious. At two and a half hours, it's a little exhausting, but I honestly can't say what I'd cut. And finally, The Dark Knight is the right movie at the right time, especially if you have a burning desire to be excited and depressed simultaneously. (laughs) I feel like the third to last one was a bit of a kind of a guy trying to have an edgy view on what is a fantastic film. Honestly, action from just the critics' reviews I've seen today, and I don't want to keep going back, but I do think it's good drawings and comparisons to what we dealt with in in the last season. And Sean will be able to testify as well that critics' reviews from comedies are like another level. Yeah. That's My Boy had the harshest critics' reviews we've ever seen, where a bloke said... He'd rather watch video footage of his mum being ravaged by bears than watch <laughs> That's My Boy. And it said something like, uh, this movie contains incest, homophobia, such and such, and even worse, Adam Sandler. <laughs> the problem with That's My Boy is that it's like every Sandler film, but just a little bit more tired because we've seen all the gags before. It's like there was one, I can't think what film it was, and it said like... Uh, this film's done the impossible and had less jokes than Schindler's List. <laughs> there was one about Knocked Up where it said, uh, for those that complain about the runtime, the extra footage was needed to convince you uh, that Catherine Heigl shouldn't have got an abortion. And wow. the whole way through, there were just some savage reviewers. So 
in turn, saying that it's too serious isn't as hard as it could have been. <laughs> yeah. It didn't feel like too long a two and a half hours, though. I, I, was, I didn't struggle through it. Um, it's, it's different, isn't it, when I guess you know it's two and a half hours long? Like yeah. We always say when we go to the cinema, the best compliment you can give a film like that is that it doesn't feel as short yeah. as you I guess said, you're like, so. like Lord of the Rings as well. Um, obviously, that's three hours, but... I disagree yeah. because I, I still think Lord of the Rings, like Return of the King, feels long, but it just doesn't feel... I'm not bored, but it's still, like, it feels yeah. every bit three and a half hours to me. You're aware of the length. I mean, I've watched some kind of extended... <laughs> There's a first soundbite to take for the week. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I've watched extended version, and even that, you can still get by with watching it, even though it's, like, four hours. Yeah. Um, but you're right with The Dark Knight. It's one of those where it all... It doesn't feel like they've stretched it out. If anything, it feels like it's the perfect length of film. Um, yeah. It's not... They haven't cut any necessary bits out, but then you wouldn't want to put, add any more to it either. See, to draw a comparison there, and we'll get to it in two weeks' time, so Gladiator is a similar length of film. does feel a lot longer to me from when I watch it, but I also can't think of what I cut out of it, so probably a good comparison to make there. It's, it's funny as well, because Gladiator is seen as like one of the best films ever. However, I've watched it once and thought it was amazing. I loved it. But I've tried to watch it several times since, and I get past well, the first scene, and I use rewatchability as a uh, category. Yeah. So we've got The Dark Knight on the raid here, and The Dark Knight, Jack, you referenced it being that it really was the first one that we then had where almost every superhero film since that has any kind of swearing in it is told is not your standard superhero movie, but this <laughs> one really was kind of the outlier. I mean, we've got Deadpool on the list as well. We probably could have had some more, but we were conscious about not having just a whole list of superhero films, but Deadpool is the other one. There was Logan and that kind of thing where, as you say, they don't feel like superhero movies. And I guess that was just a nice way to get people who would usually turn their nose up at them into the cinema. Definitely. And I think as well, like is my partner is a good barometer of kind of superhero or not, because she categorically will not watch superhero movies, but she loves the Batman trilogy. TK's probably similar there as well. <laughs> <laughs> but you watch Deadpool as well, so with with this, I thought when I was watching yesterday and kind of having seen the critics' reviews, the scene where the, the pencil trick was the one where I guess when people had seen it at the cinema and they come out and it's kind of like, I don't want to spoil the whole film, but, and there was kind of the murmurs about this scene before anyone had seen it. Yeah. The shock value of it. That was kind of your marker, like, look, we're not playing by the rules here. Well, I think as well, like, just the opening scene, the, the opening scene. To, to it where they're doing the bank heist yeah that alone is just so different to see that many body like that body count straight away yeah. and the ruthlessness of like the clown and they're all m- muttering about the joker himself and they all just kill him all and the way that he kind of has that grenade as well pulled out yeah. by the bus and i think it shows how crazy the Joker is, but how well thought out all of his plans are and how dedicated he is to just complete chaos. I think we've got, it was such a good kind of line in the sand to start the film. Yeah, because we've got um, 
like heist heist films in uh, in the horizon for us to do as a as a bracket here, and this is a as a heist scene really would stand up next to a lot of the ones that we would probably cover in that. Mm. And so right, from, I guess you kind of see the the production value there because I mentioned the Batman and Robin one there, which is as much as they thought it was the production value, it was quite the other way around as to why I like it. Mm. Yeah, and the they way... go straight in. Go on. I was going to say the the way that whole was like one of the, one of the best opening scenes, um, probably in the bracket. I'd say the way it's filmed, how it ends, like the introduction to the Joker and like Jack said when they're talking about it, and then they all go off one by one. Yeah, it is um, really strong. So it's a good opening for the film. And and the fact that it's a mob bank as well, and obviously in Gotham at that time it was run by the mob, and like in all the comic books in the previous films, it's all about the mob and how they kind of tackle organised crime. And I guess this is like disorganised, organised crime, because he just loves chaos. And like, who's the craziest, who's crazy enough to steal from Mob Bank? Well, this guy is. This is a bit of a kind of throwback, but Batman Begins, I've, I've never liked. I've never even particularly thought it was a particularly good film. And do you remember having seen Batman Begins, whether you were clamouring for The Dark Knight? Because... For me personally, I wasn't too sold. Like I was obviously going to watch it. It's a Batman film, and the hype gradually grew. But Batman Begins didn't do much to sell me that this is this great franchise that we're going to see two more films out of. I agree, and um, it's funny actually because I got it on a pirate copy when I was like, I must be quite young. When did it come out? Like two thousand and four, two thousand five, maybe two thousand six. But I remember watching it in really bad quality and just thinking, all I can remember from it is him falling into the cave with the bats and the whole Razzle Ghoul thing. Then during lockdown, I thought, right, I'm going to sit down and rewatch the whole trilogy again. And I remember watching it and thinking, it's good, but it didn't wow me. It didn't give me that kind of film where I walked away and the rewatchability on that would have been quite low. It felt like a film where they were trying to do the, this is such a dark, not a superhero film, like everything about Batman Begins from my memory. And this one, it seems like, it kind of happened with Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker. They had mm. the foundation of Christian Bale there. And so it seemed like it kind of worked itself out there rather than trying too hard to do it because Heath Ledger's performance is, is great, obviously. We'll go into some of the trivia in a second where I do have some disagreements with it. But you do need all the pieces here, like Christian Bale. If it was just the Joker there, then it's going to be a Joker movie, isn't it? As yeah. much as we enjoy that, you do need the kind of other side of it. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well that, that it was a good scene setter, isn't it, really, the Batman Begins, because you, you need an origin story to this. And then yeah. I guess the Dark Knight took us by surprise, in a sense, that the first one was like, oh, it's just another Batman film. Whereas this, which just elevated that trilogy into something completely different. And the fact that you've got the foundation of the backstory, you've seen Christian Bale almost grow up in why he is the way he is. And for many kind of new Batman films that are new kind of people to the Batman franchise, I should say that that backstory is key. And I think Christian Bale plays it perfectly. The fact that he can play this billionaire playboy that doesn't really give a shit about anything, but deep down he really cares. And again, it's, a very complex character in a sense because 
Sorry, carry on, mate. You go. You I was go. just going to say, Deshaun, uh, interesting that we started with uh, Morgan Freeman film last time round, didn't we? Bruce Almighty, and then we've got him in the first round <laughs> this yeah. time here as well. Hopefully it ends uh, for him, but it ends better for him this time around. <laughs> we'll, go, you... we'll go through some of the trivia and then we still have plenty more to talk about, I know. So this was the first comic book movie to reach the one billion mark worldwide. Uh, in preparation for his role as the Joker, Heath Ledger hid away in a motel room for about six weeks. During this extended stay of seclusion, Ledger delved deep into the psychology of the character. He devoted himself to developing the Joker's every tick, namely the voice and that sadistic sounding laugh. This has been my issue the whole way through with this. I don't have an issue with you saying that he took himself away to understand the Joker. There's people that claim he stayed in character as the Joker for about six weeks here while he was still turning up to set on time every day, getting his makeup <laughs> and hair done. And all of this. It can I, be a great character without you saying he became the Joker for six weeks while treating members of the staff really well and filming all, everything perfectly, sticking to the script. Yeah, because you hear the stories of when Jared Leto was the Joker and you just hear that he took it to extremes and did try and do that exact thing it was just a cunt to everyone essentially <laughs> and just like completely just made people hate him almost like pissing in people's cereal and stuff like that and he whereas, he was fighting see, a losing battle from he could yeah. have been the best joker ever and he still wouldn't have been Heath Ledger and I think but I, I prefer um the Dark Knight Rises and if we do in Venture Bracket we do have that on there but you say that and People take it like you're insulting their mum because you're picking something over Heath Ledger's performance of the Joker. I mean, I like them both like equally. I would say it's difficult because they're completely different in the sense that you see the Batman at his height and then you see the Joker at his height and it's like two Clash of the Titans. Whereas, obviously, after the death of Rachel and this, you kind of see the broken Batman and his redemption. Yeah. I feel it's two completely different storylines. We've got, but obviously so, sharing the same characters. Uh, while filming a chase scene on Lake Street, the Chicago Police Department received several calls from concerned citizens stating the police were involved in a vehicle pursuit with a dark vehicle of unknown make or model. Imagine you're walking down the street and you see the Batmobile <laughs> racing past <laughs> in a police chase. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. Um, Two-Face's disfigurement was created through computer graphics rather than a prosthetic makeup, as um, Christopher Nolan felt that no matter how good the makeup was, it was still inherently adding something onto his face when Two-Face really requires it to be burned away instead. So that was how they chose to do it. That's very interesting. Probably good for Aaron Eckhart as well, because you hear about the makeup some of these people have to go through. <laughs> and he probably would have had about six hours having that done to his face. So like Jennifer Lawrence on X-Men had to turn up like nine hours ahead of her schedule to be painted blue every time. Christ. That was, uh, you just wouldn't shower between between <laughs> sessions there. That was something I forgot when we watched in the film. I forgot that he falls over and then obviously the oil spills on his face and then that's how like catches it when it blows up. Like originally I just thought it was because the blew up and the fire just got on his face. I, I, I get you there as well because I thought the same and having seen it before and knowing who Two-Face is, it is quite blatantly like, this is how he becomes Two-Face. Look at this now. Oh, yeah. Quite literally half of his face just in the oil. Yeah, yeah. Uh, trouble arose during a public relations campaign before the movie's release when a website related to this movie sent out several cakes purportedly from the Joker 
containing a cell phone inside which made the cake vibrate and had wires sticking out, making it like a bomb. Once, one such news station which received one of the cakes believed it to be an actual terrorist act and the entire building had to be evacuated. <laughs> That's one way for publicity. They probably knew that. They probably knew it. <laughs> uh, Christopher Nolan and his co-writers... Uh, Jonathan Nolan and David S. Goyer made the decision very early on not to explore the Joker's origins so the character could be presented as an absolute and not a work in progress. I think that adds to the film, doesn't it? It's yeah. kind of... And I guess it allows the spin-offs as well, as we've seen. And it's like um, we've, we've seen Spider-Man turn into Spider-Man about eight times. It's like we know how it... We, the Joker's... It actually takes away, doesn't it, if you know when it's like... Definitely. He fell into a vat of acid. This is how he became it. Or he's yeah. just a complete like mental patient, and you don't really need to know that. You know what a psycho he is from the first two minutes of seeing him. We don't need yeah. the backstory. Um, the bus crashing backwards into the bank in the opening sequence was much harder to pull off than was anticipated. So the bus had to be taken apart and reassembled inside the building, a disused post office, concealed behind a large false wall, and then propelled backwards with an air cannon. <laughs> this is well when you see these budgets you're like how did they spend 320 million on this and it's like, this is they built a yeah. bus and then fired it through a cannon <laughs> i'd love to be the accountant on that and it's like, <laughs> do, do we really need this do we need to fire this bus through a wall like can we cut down this this one struck me as uh like when you get a new football coach you turn up and it was like but there's no touching the ball for the first two weeks here so they say the first four days of scheduled shooting resulted in no film being rolled. Instead, writer, producer and director Christopher Nolan screened two movies per day for the cast and crew with a break in between. The eight movies were in order. Heat, which I know Keenan's a huge fan of. Um, Cat People, Citizen Kane, King Kong from 1933, Batman Begins, Black Sunday, A Clockwork Orange and Stalag 17. So... That was their equivalent of not kicking a ball. (laughs) I can see a lot of Clockwork Orange in the Joker. Just complete erraticness that you don't fully understand. Batman begins in the middle. Yeah. (laughs) Just quickly watch this, guys. Uh, In one draft of the script, a reference to Robin being related to Rachel Dawes was considered. The character of Dick Grayson was not explicitly mentioned. However, Rachel was revealed as being a relatively Grayson family. Nolan had it removed because he didn't want to build up hopes and pressure to do a future movie with Robin. Yeah, I feel that that's the kind of blue balls we were given by <laughs> The Dark Knight Rises because Joseph Gordon-Levitt, at the time of that film coming out, he was in everything. At that time, yeah. it was in Inception. He was like, at 50, uh, was it 500 Days of Summer? Like, everyone knew who he was. And you thought, shit, this is actually a really good Robin. Do you and follow him on Instagram? I don't know. He's proper like uh, like woke. How oh, is it? Not in the way of like uh, like conspiracy theories, but like he posted something, and I, I don't want to speak out of turn. He posted something on the day when someone was killed by police in America, I believe, and it was just like a happy thing of him painting. And someone said in there, like, this is disgraceful. You shouldn't be posting things. It wasn't on the day where the black squares and things like that, but he wrote this massive apology, like, you're right, this was really insensitive to me. I shouldn't have done this. And he is very much a people pleaser on there. I'm just a very smiley guy, to be honest. He he always came across as just a nice bloke, though. Like, 
someone that a girl would bring home to their mum and just know <laughs> that they're thrilled about it. Yeah. We've got some casting what ifs here. One of the issues is that we've dropped two interviews on the page in the last week, one with um, Frank Caracci and one with Mark Helfrich about several Adam Sandler films and Good Luck Chuck. Every casting what if we've asked about, they've said was complete nonsense. So either they're keeping their cards close to their chest or what I'm about to give you is ridiculous. So I'll give you it anyway. Sarah Michelle Geller, Isla Fisher, Emily Blunt and Rachel McAdams were all considered for the role of Rachel Dawes before Maggie Gyllenhaal stepped in. Yeah, you can kind of see it. They obviously I, had... I couldn't see Isla Fisher in the role, but I'm not sure she could do it, but that's mainly just as comedies these days. I could see Sarah Michelle Geller, yeah. Emily Blunt or Rachel McAdams all doing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they, you, they, you know they had a blueprint for who they wanted yeah. to play Rachel, <laughs> and they stuck to it like, like, with force. Matt Damon was offered the part of Harvey Dent, but had to turn it down because of the schedule conflict with Invictus. Mm. Whenever they say these, the film that they've like rejected one for always seems completely ridiculous in like hindsight. Yeah, unless they've got like pre-contracts or something like that. But yeah, you would you would think that. From saying that though, from he Batman didn't. Begins, in they probably weren't expecting a lot. Do you know what I, I mean? I don't know. The budget, they probably yeah, would have been thinking, we've <laughs> you better do something here. Yeah. It's quite, I guess with superhero films, um, and I've seen this said before, they're quite comfy because even when it does bad, you still have the superhero fan base that like we're probably somewhere in the middle probably i'm not sure about sean me and you jack probably would be slightly more to the side of the like big fans but not the i'm going to go out dressed up in a, in a fucking know, spider-man suit, suit etc <laughs> the, 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 the funny thing is I've got, I've got to get this in now but <laughs> when i was a kid i used to wear my batman costume everywhere to the doctor's to like non-school oh, I went to get one of the Harry Potter books dressed up as Harry Potter so, so did I from the Huckaco library <laughs> did you was it the same one I'm not sure but I know I had to get the picture down from uh, Waterstones yeah. before anyone could see it ah uh, it's in Waterstones is it? Yeah, mine's on, my parents have got it on their bloody fireplace in their house so whenever <laughs> I go around there it's always staring me in the face um, so yeah they were saying basically like for the for the hardcore, which is obviously not a small portion, even if it's ten percent of all comic book fans, that's several like million people that are going to see it. Yeah, so they they get a guaranteed viewership anyway, and so they they really just got a reel in the I'm not seeing a superhero movie, but I've heard that Batman one's a bit different kind of crowd. Yeah, I, I think Batman though in general is a lot of people's favourite superhero. I think until that it's... Twitter account popped up this year slagging off Batman. Have you seen that one? No. All the stuff about it. It's called like Batman Slander or something like that. Right. And no, people I'm just not... like DM this bloke fuming with just different things that they hate about Batman. <laughs> Where, like, a sad little life page. they lead. Uh, yeah, going back find. to kind yeah. of <laughs> going back to my Batman like mania when I was a kid. I had like all of the toys all of the Batmobiles, all of the action figures. I used to zip wire them out my bedroom window into the garden using string. But I was like, I, even Batman of the Future, if you remember on Cartoon Network, had that Batmobile. 
shot like discs. He used to fire it at my sister. He used to love it. <laughs> One of these says, Batman can't even fight crime if it's not cloudy. Bruce is looking for the bat signal on a clear night. Like, guess crime took a break tonight. <laughs> You're God, bleeding out waiting be... for Batman while his GPS is rerouting him to a route with less traffic. Why has no one shot him in the chin yet? He'll be exposed. <laughs> All sorts. There's a whole page dedicated to slagging off Batman. Um, You've got to be so sad to hate Batman. <laughs> How can you hate Batman? I'm sure there's people that do. James Gandolfini auditioned for the part of Sal Maroney. Seems a good fit, but they probably didn't want to cast what, the most famous mob actor of the last like 20 years I've done The Sopranos for however many seasons Yeah, as a mobster. Uh, <laughs> William Dafoe was considered for the role of the Joker. Yeah, I could see it. Norman Osborn turning into the Joker would have been interesting. It'd be very different though, wouldn't it? He's got the, he's got yeah. the face for the Joker. He has. He's like, got a villain's face. All you have to do is paint it. You wouldn't have to do anything else to it. The lines on its own would just give the required effect. Um, Christopher Nolan has said that if he knew he was going to make another sequel, Harvey Dent wouldn't have died. The infamous interrogation scene originally ended with Batman after getting the information he needs from the Joker, dropping him on the ground and quickly kicking the Joker in the head right before he leaves to save Rachel, almost as an afterthought. However, this part was removed in editing because Christopher Nolan felt the action seemed a little too petulant for Batman. Yeah, I, I, he's kind of. This is where you see him turn into the Dark Knight. It's the transformation of yeah. whiter than white to the Dark Knight in that one scene where they lock the door, he puts the chair obviously <laughs> under the handle, and he just fucking has at him. Uh, and the body count of the film is 36. So there you go. Um, this, for a superhero that doesn't kill his victims, that's a yeah. lot of body count. Sean, I, I hope you don't mind. I've kind of taken the addition that you said to add in and twisted it somewhat so it cause offence that is classic you well essentially (laughs) your your question was to ask how long we would last in these situations and it applies far more for some than others because yeah of course I mean if we're in Kingsman we could just be living our normal lives (laughs) this is going on anyway so so I've kind of I've, I've restructured it here just to ask a hypothetical question that relates to the film so if you were on the boat do you pull the trigger blow up the prisoners on the other boat which boat am I on right right I'm not on the prisoner boat okay unless you've got something to tell us (laughs) Uh, no but are you quietly sat there hoping someone else does yeah Uh, well probably not but then I don't know if I would I wouldn't be someone to talk up and stop someone from doing it either. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm very callous when it comes to things like that. I think I would just do it. Yeah, I think as as was intended by the Joker for everyone to show their dark side. Yeah, I, I think, think as well. Like... More people would have. But then even you see when the guy stands up and goes to do it, as he sits back down, they do visibly show a lot of people like sighing in their seats and kind of shaking their head. Yeah. And the feeling is that they're all kind of looking at him as he sits back down, like they're disappointed in him. So, yeah, I think... I'm sure if you have a hundred people there, at least a third, probably more than that, are wanting it uh, 
blown up. Yeah. I think... Also... Oh, sorry. I no, I was just, just going to say, if you look around to like women and children, you think on that boat is mainly men. I guess the kind of chivalrous misogyny in me would kind of <laughs> just kill, kill the prisoners. The difference maker is, isn't it, that, uh, you know, they have a trigger. Like, if that was taken out of it and it's just you've got the trigger, then you'd be easy. But... <laughs> well, well, yeah, isn't that... Like well, if it's said, like, if it's said to get off here, then... No, if it's said, like, to get off here, you've got to pull the trigger. But they don't have one, so you can kind of wait to be saved or put things out of your misery pretty quick. See, a great twist to that would have been... That blows trigger your own actually blows your own, but yeah, exactly. And the civilians chose to blow up the convicts and then they would blow their boat up. That would be <laughs> the best twist. Uh, all right, so that is the, the trivia gone through there. So we've got some categories to get into uh, for each one. So in terms of rewatchability, what would we say about this? Because I know for an action the boundaries are going to be pushed, certainly. We kind of gave it 90 minutes was our kind of peak rewatchability for a comedy. For an action, these days I would probably say two hours is your optimum, but usually I'd go about an hour 45. And I'm not saying this isn't rewatchable, but it's hard to say a two and a half hour movie is particularly rewatchable. I think with... With our 45 action films, you feel like they rush the ending or they get to the ending, they miss out the middle part or something like that. So somewhere suffers, whereas two hours... This isn't like your traditional action film. We kind of are different types, don't we? Because The Dark Knight is a different type of action film to Taken. Yeah. yeah. Like Taken, you don't need much more of a setup than his daughter's been kidnapped. Yeah, that's true. Like, so... It is different, so I guess we'll judge the judgment against each other, don't I, we? I, so. I guess as well that you're trying to build two massive characters here, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman and Joker. You need sufficient time. I think rewatchability for me is this one is so rewatchable because I have to give it time. I wouldn't be able to watch it then the week after per se, but every six months, maybe every year, you'd cut like comfortably that, rewatch it. Is it? That rewatchable though, it's like every six months. Well, some of the films, and I keep saying it's different for action, but probably some of these actions I could watch more frequently, but I guess we'll get to them. I think as well, because but it's how... been, out, been out for so long and I've watched it so many times, Yeah, like it's kind of not lost its shine, but I have to watch it every year. I have to like be strict with myself because I don't want to kill it for myself. What are you going to say, Sean? I was going to say, are there really many films that you watch more than twice? A year? Like, I think maybe maybe you'd watch a film like once. For comedies, more so, but like for an action film, and I don't want to kind of cut off some of these films before we get there, but I could watch Taken more frequently because it's an easy, it's an easier watch than The Dark Knight to have on in terms of rewatchability. Yeah, but then, so on, on that note, like, realistically, how often would you watch Taken? I think you like, could watch Taken more frequently than once every six months. Even a month later, I think you're still going to enjoy it. It's, I mean, you're not going to choose, probably, if you have a whole heap of films. But if it's on, then I feel you can yeah. easily tuck straight back into that. Um, 
best quote then so this should be considerably shorter than some of the others but jack do you want to go first with uh, some quotes that we'll reel off from the dark knight yeah i think it's the one that sticks in my mind kind of the scene that always sticks in my mind with this quote in the numerous stories about his scars and how it changes every time so you, so you know he kind of tailors that line to whoever he's trying to like mentally torment with it um but when that the scene when they're at the Tavi dense um fundraiser, fundraiser and he grabs rachel and says oh a little bit of fighting you i like that and then you've seen bruce wayne kind of go off and again very on brand that he doesn't let people into what <laughs> they think is a panic room and then he comes flying out of nowhere well, you're gonna love me and i feel that it's one of those goosebump kind of lines you get them in films don't you where you just think fucking get in <laughs> and that's one of those lines for me i don't know what it is it just, <laughs> just right before it. you've got that old man saying we're not intimidated by thugs yeah <laughs> you had why so serious emblazoned on just about every bit of merchandise they could get their hands on here yeah the the one that was uh my favorite for me was when he's just set the money on fire and he says tell your men they work for me now this is my city the chechen says they won't work for dramatic pause for a freak <laughs> like that's the mic drop moment and then the joker pulls out his knife and says why don't we cut you up into little pieces and feed you to your poochies? We'll see how just how loyal a hungry dog really is. Mm. And very much in the same way as to what you've just said. I did kind of nod my head along with that. Like, I'm with you here. I'm on yeah. board. <laughs> Sign me up. What Two about you, Sean? Uh, well, we touched on it earlier, but I've got the how about a magic trick of yeah. make pencil disappear. So that and, one I quite enjoy. Yeah. Uh, you want to die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain, which obviously is a premonition as to what's going to happen. Yeah. And then, yeah, my other one was going to be what Jack said, where um, he comes in and says, you'll love me. You're going to love me then, or whatever it is. Yeah. What would be for you the best moment slash scene, Sean? Um... <clears throat> Yeah, I thought this one was quite tough. I had a few. I mean, one of the ones that I had down initially was is that first scene where is the pencil scene, just that whole where he introduces himself to the crime figures and then yeah. tells him that he's took the money and then um, obviously obviously kills the guy and goes from there. Um, and then after that, it'd be either the mayor shooting scene, um, the scene at the fundraising where we just talked about that quote, uh, that one, or like the end the hospital scene or the end fight scene, like there's, there's loads. I don't know which one. So your favourite scene is the <laughs> yeah. entire film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I think if I had to pick one, it would be that first, that first... Uh, the heist. Scene. Or what him introducing himself to the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for me, I think I would go for what's called the agent of chaos scene of where you see Harvey Dent turn and I, I do think it does show the brilliance of the Joker in that scene where all the little intricacies put themselves together to create what he wanted to do, which was turn Harvey Dent and then do all of the work. So for me, and as much as it was been referenced on Twitter and such recently, I don't know how they got away with 
Harvey Dent not realising it was the Joker until he takes his mask off. <laughs> yeah. his, green, his green hair and eyeshadow. <laughs> his white face. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, think, think that, I think that would be my favourite. Yeah, I think that was one of mine. I mean, if I had to choose, I think it's where you've got the great quote of and everybody loses their mind, which has turned into a brilliant meme on the on the flip side of that as well. But Actually, I think I'd change. I think I'd go for the interrogation. Yeah. Just seeing them come together like that. Very good. Two Goliaths finally yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And I think where he says, uh, where he hits him, he hits his head and says, you're not supposed to start with a head. It can make the. Picking all fuzzy. Woozy. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's shaking his head off after. <laughs> I think as well that you see how vulnerable you think the Joker is at that time. Like a false Eureka moment. And then it's again part of his plan. You think, how can you get this guy? Um, I think we need to give an honourable mention to the scene. And again, I've seen loads of, I don't know if it's true, it might be true, it might not be, where the hospital was supposed to blow up in one go. Yeah. And then Heath Ledger apparently stays in character and hits the remote control as the Joker because they only had enough budget to like film that once or something like that. Again, it's one of those stories where you, don't know whether it's true or not. It almost seems too good to be true. There's one where um, they say Michael Caine hasn't seen Heath Ledger in his makeup before, so he's genuinely shocked when he sees him walk in. Again, I don't believe that. I mean, no, but that's the ones yeah. that have been run with. Your, did you say your favourite scene was uh, him dropping that line in the fundraiser? Um, it's so difficult. It's so difficult because. I love all of that film so much. Um, but if I was going to choose, it would probably have to be where he's blowing up the hospital just because it's so on brand. It's so what you expect, but not expect the Joker to do as well. Because you think, even... oh yeah, Batman's going to save the day. He's going to stop the hospital from blowing up. And he just doesn't stop any of the stuff the Joker wants to do until the end. I like the end of that as well. It just ends so perfectly where he just, jumps on at the end at the back of the bus and then the bus yeah. goes off yeah like effortless, effortless yeah if we if we go on to the raid now and then we'll come back around and we'll do our judging i'm sure we'll talk about some of these in a bit more detail as we compare them so the synopsis of the raid a swap team becomes trapped in a tenement run by a ruthless mobster and his army of killers and thugs on the poster it said one ruthless crime lord 20 elite cops 30 floors of hell so there we go. Me, me and Sean had seen this before. We went to the cinema not really knowing what to expect. And then we turned out to love it. It, it was brilliant. Um, Jack, this was your first time seeing it. So yeah. what did you think? So first of all, it was a battle because, as we said before we started recording, that Sarah gave it about five minutes without like, I'm not watching this. Um, <laughs> so it's a case no of... No culture. Right, the subtitles. Yeah. So... Obviously, we watched it dubs because we just watched the Netflix series Dark. And obviously, that's in German. That's both knowing German, but my German being a lot not as good as Sarah's. This changes um, things, to, watching it dubbed. Yeah, I had, to, I had to follow it with subtitles as well and try and make my way through that. So we watched it dubbed and because we <laughs> and it does change it a lot because the voices... I um, can't hack it don't match what's going on yeah yeah. there's a scene where you know the injured guy and they go into that false wall in that 
nice yeah. guys. The, the only nice guy in the whole apartment block who's let them in and faced the wrath of every other inhabitant <laughs> of that building on the off chance, just because he wants to help two people with his wife in there. Irresponsible husband. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they've put him into this false wall and the guy's obviously hurt and injured, but the dubbed voice is saying, ah, ooh, in like completely <laughs> the wrong times. And I just like, it was hard to get into watching it dubbed, I have to say. That's a game changer. You missed it last week when we clarified that Sean did say, which he kind of denied that he was getting into subtitled films. So that's his new genre. No, right? not just films. It's just genre. Getting into subtitles. Like, like Jackson, like Dark and uh, Elite on Netflix, The Rain on Netflix. There's loads of like subtitled series on Netflix. That are really it's tough good. to play football manager while so. doing that. So I struggle. The dark, dark Sean is such a complex storyline as well. To read through subtitles is so just hard <laughs> to follow at the best of times. So if we go on the, the critics' reviews then, so if you enjoy relentless fights and shootouts, imaginative kills and high-octane suspense, then you'll find this to be one of the best movies of the year. While light on spirituality, The Raid is probably one of the best pure action films seen in a good decade or so. The action is ridiculously non-stop and the bloodletting copious, but while it's over the top and ludicrous, the raid is often almost quite fun. While some may euphemistically call the raid redemption an efficient action flick, the underwhelming bare-bones plot catches up with the high-velocity action scenes before the film reaches its midway point. Despite the real lack of substance when it comes to story or character development, there are no complaints when it comes to the action. The fight scenes are shot the way dance should be shot, wide enough so you can actually see where everyone's feet are. To say it's an action flick doesn't do the breakneck fight sequences justice. It's so much more than that. The punches and kicks are so fast and well executed, you won't even want to blink. And then finally, this brutally basic, frighteningly exciting thriller from Indonesia will jolt you out of the jaded zone. So... I guess I mean, you do have the two sides there, where some I, say look, there's not enough substance, and some say all I want to tune in is see pure action. I would kind of side with the one that said that the kind of bare bones plot gets caught up with caught up that's, with midway. That's through. so disrespectful. I mean, it's like we were talking about Taken, where he, his daughter gets kidnapped, and that's all you need to know. You don't really know anything about this film until the end. Um, and then it ends in a weird kind of suicide and like his brother or something helps him. And it's like, it was just a pure stunt film for me. Yeah. Um, you know, this was directed by a 31 year old Welshman. What? Yeah. Gareth Evans. Probably the most Welsh name ever to be fair as well. Yeah. So yeah. He, he's, he's a director. Uh, raid on the raid too. Wow, fair play to him. Was it like an Indonesian film then? Because I'm assuming yeah. that as it's dubbed. But so he's just gone over there and made himself a film. So it, it was called um, Serbo and Mout, which means death raid in English. Right. Um, lots of trivia, and we'll go into a bit more detail. So the yeah. martial art moved in this movie is Penchak Salat, the indigenous fighting style of Indonesia. All the guns used in the film are airsoft replicas and not functioning firearms. All the shots of the guns action 
All of the shots of the gun's action cycling, muzzle flashes and casings ejecting were added digitally. I could tell. I thought that was the case. Gareth Evans originally wanted an action drama set in a prison. When the approved budget was too small, he piled it down into a one-building action film that became The Raid. The success of this film allowed him to secure a larger budget for the sequel, where he got his wish of a prison drama. There's a great scene in the sequel where he fights off about 30 people while he's just in one cell. Uh, Yaihan Ruyin, who played the Mad Dog character, which is a great name for a villain, had once trained Penchak Salat for the Indonesian Presidential Security Forces, equivalent to the US Secret Service in 1989, and for the Indonesian Military Police Corps in the early 1990s, so he's well equipped. How old is he then as well? I'm not sure. That's uh, pretty old. Despite the fact that the movie's tagline mentions 30 floors of chaos, the apartment building uh, only allows you to see them going up 14 <laughs> floors, 15 if you count the ground floor, so they obviously skip past a few floors there. <laughs> um, they do use the Wilhel- Wilhelm scream at one point during the first shootout when a gangster's thrown out the window. And in contrast to The Dark Knight, the total body count is 121. So the Wilhelm scream, right, that's in like every action movie, isn't it? Yeah. Why, is, why is it such a thing? Is it like in... in I think it's like... Dream? IMDb always references like where it is, but I think it's one of them where... Because you do notice it every time. Yeah. But I think it's included now almost as a kind of little wink. Yeah to you watching because there's no other reason this high-pitched squeal to be used every time like, uh, the ones i remember it in is kind of star wars when something blows yeah. up and they all do it sean's question here was is there how long we'd last so how many floors would you last <laughs> no. No. <laughs> i just bat myself to hide enough to get past like one i reckon well i was going to bring this up sean because I've played paintball with you, and the only person worse than me for not wanting to be shot was you. <laughs> you were definitely worse. But which one of us was the first to run out from under the net of the actual area from where shooting is taking place? I think it was you that went first. I slipped en route. So but... if I put you in this situation, then, Sean, so say you're the guy that lets them in and to hide in the wall. They knock on your door. Say you have to open it up so you can't just ignore it. Yeah. Do you straight up tell them, like, <laughs> you you better carry on, mate. You're not coming in here. 100%. Well, well, uh, well no, I let them, obviously I'm going to have to let them come in. Well, Jack's saying otherwise, so it's obviously not obvious. Yeah. Well, I would let them come in, yeah, and then just try and do what that guy did and just hope they don't find them. But if they do find them, they're taking both of you. And your wife. Well, that's the risk I'll have to take. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd be a good Samaritan and open that door to a complete stranger knowing that See, I actually agree your wife. with Sean. Well, they're going to get in anyway. Aren't they going to get in anyway, either way? Well, no, because I guess they can't be too loud in case they're spotted. Uh, yeah, maybe. My case would be that um, once I've seen them and opened the door... My guilt would be too much. <laughs> I see them drop down and I walk out and see the body two feet away from the door. So if I can pretend I've not seen them or heard them, I can probably cope. But once the door's been opened, 
that's me done. And See, I'll just give them the filthiest look if we do all get taken out at once. <laughs> See, I have got good training with this because our neighbour's kids fall off their scooters outside our house <laughs> quite regularly. And I never want to get the urge to go out to help. <laughs> Falling off their scooters opposed to 30 floors worth of mayhem militants my i think my favorite thing about films like this is that everyone can fight like that that wife would have known about eight different backflip kicks if she needed to in these films just everyone in sight can Can scrap yeah when they break into a shop and like the shopkeeper who's like 80 (laughs) he's suddenly doing like front flips like yoda yeah, it's one of those ones where he like kicks aside his walking stick and then suddenly channels his inner zen and just nails people. That's their version of giving the Joker no backstory. It's just look, everyone yeah. knows kung fu here. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Because um, so they are just, they say they're just. It's not like obviously some of them are soldiers, but a lot of them are just residents. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, how do you market a flat? in that apartment building <laughs> like do you put it on the market do you, do you kind of just have viewings got some like young family being shown around by someone in a suit whilst there's like dead bodies just piled up against the wall I I lived for a short time in Treadworth so I might bat myself to blend in here if I need <laughs> to if I need to get in with the locals and look I, if we I have to boot on... someone's door down we'll do it as I said on Twitter, Eversham Halls at my old university. That looks just like the raid. <laughs> I heard some awful tales about stuff that happened in there. But... With, with this, um, I don't want to sound a bit pretentious, but I do really like the way they shot it because the way with some of the shots of uh, behind Rama, where particularly the one where he has the fight against four people in that long corridor, and they do really make you realize just how like intense and i can't think of a word how like enclosed they are and they make you feel claustrophobic in there and everything and just those long shots where you can see there's nowhere to go and there's no space to be getting out of here to run around them it it does work really well when you then see the fight scenes yeah and it kind of bears a bit more fruit when you have the argument that this, these two guys can take on so many people yeah, because yeah. it's so channeled in hallways and rooms and things, you can kind of make that enclosed space work in your advantage when you're against mass assailants, essentially. I watched the scene again earlier, that scene I just referenced, so I couldn't think of how to explain it because they shoot it in kind of like POV without it being that. Like Some of the shots where they have it up close where you're seeing almost what he would see, but you can still see him there. So they'll show like the bottom half of him and you can see his legs kicking upwards, but where it's quickly cut like that, or you see the top half where it's just their heads kind of grappling. And again, it does just make it feel that bit tighter with all of them in there. Yeah. It's not so much, you're not removed from the action. Are you, you kind of, yeah. I'm sure the director could uh, explain that a bit better as to how it's done, but (laughs) it's, it's done in the way where, it's, it's almost like a, like circuit training because they give you like your 30 seconds rest and then it's straight back and you've got no room to even think about anything other than what's going on. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the perfect, when they say about films being like an escape, 
because you don't have any time to think about anything else other than what's going on in the moment, particularly in those fight scenes that uh, just littered throughout. It's literally one big fight scene, isn't it? With yeah, yeah, you have some dialogue where he's kind of seen his brother, and they have the chat about the uniform and whether he can come home. And he goes upstairs with the bad guy, and you have a bit of dialogue there, and just the first five minutes where. They just want to tell you his wife's pregnant and he's going to this like most dangerous mission ever. Other <laughs> than that, you've got no room to think about anything else because it's just one of them. Or if you were sat up close in the cinema, your head would be turning like neck ache by the end of it. It's pure mayhem. Yeah. <laughs> so we did reference um, the quotes on here and perhaps a lack of. If anything, Sean, Jack should be able to do better than us because he's got the uh, <laughs> English dub there. I, I did only have two. Um, it's going to have to be the uniform dog. one, isn't it? Um, and then the reference. Well, I went for um, pulling a trigger is like ordering a takeout was my favourite one, and I did enjoy yeah. that. And at the start where he just kind of says, this is what I do. And it's, I believe you, mad dog. <laughs> I believe this is what you do. <laughs> <laughs> the guy with the tannoy tells him to enjoy themselves, doesn't it? Before they uh, are set upon these twenty people. Yeah, yeah, that was that was one that I was going to think of. It's kind of bone chilling, isn't it? Imagine being <laughs> one of the put with police or soldiers or whatever, and hearing that, and you think, oh, "We're fucked. <laughs> we're so fucked." Well, considering how elite these twenty policemen are to be, they don't last very long, do they? They run around no. like headless chickens. <laughs> It's like Carlos Tevez in 08 running around there, the way mm. half of them are, especially in the one scene where they have the hole in the floor that they go through. They don't know what they're doing. They're just legging it about. <laughs> yeah, well, they shove that grenade in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> if we if we go through the, the categories then before we do um, the comparisons. So in terms of rewatchability, um, this one is an hour, um, I think it's an hour 20 raid redemption so hour 41 sorry so <clears throat> very rewatchable from my perspective just for, there isn't really much to follow you can just enjoy this and it's like it's like watching back a knockout because you don't need like a narrative you can just enjoy seeing someone get knocked out and for this one <laughs> yeah. it's just enjoying seeing one guy rip through 30 floors worth of people <laughs> exactly that so I don't know how you feel Sean in terms of the rewatchability of that as to whether you agree with it being rewatchable yeah yeah definitely but more on the case of it's because you know you don't have to be focusing or concentrating yeah. on it you can just have it in the background and then when like the odd main fight scene comes up or the odd thing catches your attention you, you have to focus on it and then go back to what you're doing so yeah I think it's really rewatchable in that sense in terms of best moment slash scene, mine would be the the fight, as I referenced before, where he runs down trying to escape through the door on the side, it's locked. He turns back up and sees four men at the other end. And it kind of culminates in him doing the almost like backwards RKO onto the spikes of the door frame. Yeah. That is That's one of them that gets you up at, <laughs> gets you up at your seat. <laughs> Pumping like Shannon Dodds, let's go champ. Yeah, so, 
Mine was really, that there. I mean, that, I think that that's one of my possibly my favourite kill or, or death in it. But I still think the the end fight scene with the two brothers and Mad Dog yeah. is, the, is the best scene. Where he catches his leg when he's jumping and <laughs> slams him down. Yeah, yeah. Cause I remember watching. It, I just think this guy is just not going to die. <laughs> I feel like the the kind of sergeant or lieutenant or whoever it was um, that fought Mad Dog first put up a better fight than the two brothers combined. And I feel that considering that brother had kind of torn through the entire building on his own, essentially, <laughs> and now he's come up against the battle-weakened Mad Dog after already beating one of the other guys before him, should have made a better job of it. Hey, look, feel- you're getting there with Mike Tyson now. You're still fighting Mike Tyson. Yeah. This is true. you're getting there with Mad Dog. You're still fighting Mad Dog. <laughs> still fighting Mad Dog. <laughs> Mad Dog would be, you know, like on um, Game of Thrones where you have you can like um, do a trial by combat. He would be the person. <laughs> yeah. Hell of a doubt who I'd nominate. He, <laughs> you wouldn't even be worried. You'd have your feet up, popcorn, exactly, and everything. Yeah. yeah. I'd back him against anyone. I think. The fact that he's so tiny as well. <laughs> All right, if we go through um, the judging criteria here then, so and this is going to uh, determine who's our winner. Obviously, there's some categories we've not gone through yet. So, In terms of which did you prefer, Jack, which did uh, you prefer of the two, if I need to ask? The Dark Knight. Sean? Uh, yeah, I've got Dark Knight. It was... A lot more closer than I think Jack's is, but uh, I still went for the Dark Knight. I preferred the raid, but the Dark Knight. You preferred the, the raid. I I really I really love this the raid. What's your reasoning behind it? The Dark Knight is one of the best superhero movies of all time, if not one of the best movies of all hey, time. Look, personal preference down this list. If yeah. you have issues with mine, which is some of Sean's takes as we go through Because <laughs> okay. I was punching the walls doing this last time. <laughs> um, in terms of rewatchability then, Jack, do you go for the Raid or Dark Knight? Dark Knight. I think with the Raid, once you've seen it once, you've seen it. Do you know what I mean? I'd watch the Raid too, but I don't think I'd go back to watching the Raid. The Raid 2 is two and a half hours, by the way. Wow. <laughs> uh, Sean, what about you? Uh, I've got the raise for this one. As have I. So we're tied after two. Um, best quotes. I mean, we didn't have too much to pick from uh, <laughs> in this one. So unless you really like that, pulling the trigger is like ordering a takeout. It's a tough. It's a tough one for the raid to win. My favourite, as I said, was was from the Dark Knight. With uh, why don't we cut you up into little fi- little pieces, and we'll see how just how hungry a lot, just how loyal a hungry dog really is. So that would be the Dark Knight would take the cake for me there. Yeah, Sean. Uh, yeah, yeah. The take the Dark Knight takes it for me as well, um, mainly because well, it's kind of automatically, isn't it? Really, <laughs> the Ray's not got much chance in this one. Jack, um, best moment slash scene for you out of the two films? Um, the hospital blowing up. Sean? See, I found this one tough. I went back and forth on this one because it's almost as if 
for me, the raids, that end fight scene is just come to be the best scene in the film, whereas The Dark Knight has got quite a few scenes, as, as I touched on, that I think are all good, but kind of equally good. So I don't know if yeah. I have a best one or favourite one in that. So in the end, because of that, I've gone for that end fight scene of The Raid. Oh my God, The Raid's going to win. <laughs> oh no. I've, I've gone for the 4v1 fight scene from The oh, Raid. No. So. <laughs> MVP then, so this is we've got a separate case for the villains here, so I guess we've probably got Batman against Rama unless you're going for Gordon or someone along those lines. I think this, I think this one is the most well, close to the quote, I think it's the most one-sided, but for the raid. But I don't understand how how can you not give it to Rama after everything that he does in this film? He's literally the film. Whereas Dark Knight, you've got obviously Batman and the Joker and other people. Like but everything that Rama does on his own has to be the MVP. Thirty floors, Jack. You can't disagree with him. Thirty floors. I'm going Batman, but I can see this is where this is going. Hey, we've got fifteen categories most menacing villain here so I think the raid might have the least menacing villain in the entire thing <laughs> the villain of the film I don't what? really have down as Mad, Mad Dog, Dog. Mad Dog what? he's a lackey he's more of, he's more of I mean, that's the next one but I'd have Mad Dog as more of a side character than the villain I'd have the villain as the guy at the top of uh, you're just, you're right. So we're just thinking the main villain. Yeah. So the most right. menacing villain in. So I mean, it's hard to top the Joker. I mean, yeah. the bracket would be tough to top the Joker, I'd assume, for most menacing villain there. Well, I because I was going to say, I mean, I'm though I would have voted Joker as well in Dark Knight. I was going to say I was going to say Mad Dog has been unfortunate to come up against. The Joker. Yeah. He is a truly awful bloke, but <laughs> the Joker well, we... is a, is another level. Are you going for the Joker, Jack? No, I'll go for Mad Dog. No, I'm going for the Joker. <laughs> well, best side character here then. So we've got Mad Dog, we've got Harvey Dent, we've got Lucius, we've got Alfred. You've got Rachel Dawes, if, if you if you want to take her. You've got Officer Gordon. You've got that <laughs> freaky guy who's come out of the asylum. This is a separate you... thing, actually. Just how does it take them that long to realise that it's a telephone in that guy's stomach? They stare at it for so long, like <laughs> whilst it's ringing. <laughs> exactly, it was doing my head in when I saw it. Like, get and the, the fact, out there. and the fact there's like a massive like scar down his stomach as well. It's not even like, hey, yeah. how could this have got in there? <laughs> it's the like guy saying one of our news from around the world. Hurts. Look, I know he has some issues. Lift up your shirt or say, the telephone in my stomach is really causing me issues here. <laughs> so, who, who are you taking the best side character, Sean? Well, I mean, when I did this, I wasn't thinking of Mad Dog as a side character. I was thinking of him as the villain. So, I've got... I've gone for the Dark Knight. I think I'll still go for the Dark Knight and do it for Harvey Dent. Jack? Harvey Dent for me. I'd agree. 
as much as I love Mad Dog, you do get a bit more character. You get a bit more character out of Harvey Dent. <laughs> Mad Dog looks like a guy. Actually, no, I'm not going to say it. No, oh, carry on. <laughs> We've had a whole season of this. Um, I think this could be the most conclusive of the action per minute. The raid surely has to take the cake there. We've got an hour and 41 minutes and we've got about an hour and 38 minutes of action. Is this the quantity of action category? Have you changed? So yeah, like action, action per minute, I called it in the end. I mean, like, don't need a mathematical breakdown, just which film contained more action right. throughout the course of the film. So, like, yeah, it's the raise because it's the whole film pretty much, isn't it? Jack, what would you have gone for there? Yeah, it has to be the raids just for pure. Just testing you. Yeah, just pure action. Kill count on screen. We literally have the stats for that. So. About 130, was it like 130, 121 to 36 or something like that. Yeah. Um, most creative use of weaponry. For me personally, as much as I enjoyed the door frame, the pencil is quite hard to top. So I had that as well, yeah. Well, no, I, I was going to say, not even that, I was going to say with the, um, the gas tank, when he takes it out and puts it in the fridge and then it blows out. That I... was my creative one. I got that, but then we've we've seen the the kind of shoot a gas canister to explode it, that kind of thing. We'll probably see it in half of the films in the bracket. Yeah. So I yeah. kind of put I mean, it I, in I that. I think I would probably still sway to the pencil one, but just with the raid, that would have been my. Yeah, that I had that written down for my pick one. for for the raid. There's a video on YouTube where someone is testing to see whether the pencil trick could really work, but I didn't stop and watch it. So Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> it's like a, it's some scientists, so I'm assuming they're not literally. <laughs> if I slam my head down quick, and we'll see if this works. <laughs> Best soundtrack. Um, quite different to what we have with our comedy ones, although... Batman, you need to hear about two notes of it, and you know, like that's the Batman soundtrack. Yeah. So for me, Batman would take the cake there. I'd say so. Again, the raid was just kind of odd dud step notes. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard to get into. Sean, what would you go for? Yeah, yeah, it'd be Dark Knight as well. I think the the raid, the one bit, I think it's the the drug lab bit. The bit where yeah. they go there, that the music then is quite good. Um, but other than that, it would be the Dark Knight. Um, Sean, if I go to you first, what would you go for for originality? <clears throat> uh, well, I've gone for the raid just because I guess there's there's loads of different Batman's. I appreciate it as an it's an individual film in a way, and it's like different to others. But still, I've I've gone for the. I've gone for the raid just on that basis because it's not from a comic or it's something different. What about you, Jack? I think I've had to go for Dark Knight because it was so different to every other superhero, superhero movie that had preceded it. You'd seen kind of remakes of the Spider-Man series and it just was very cutesy. The hero always wins, whereas this felt dark. It felt so different and it kick-start, kick-started that kind of dark superhero genre so I think for that I'd have to go Dark Knight I have gone for the race <laughs> it's There's like every, only... every kind of martial art film ever though 
Just, well, there's, there's yeah, only. I, I can see the argument on both sides. There's only one that, having watched it, I drew a comparison to with the rage, and it's in the brackets, so I won't go into it too much. But there's two uh, no, similar there. Mean, uh, yeah. But other than that, I couldn't really compare with it. So that would be my pick. Bigger impact, I don't think we need to spend too long <laughs> yeah. on because there's a reason one's our number one uh, one's our number one seed and one's our number 32 seed so ending then both the endings here actually annoy me Roxy lets the Joker live that that winds me up yeah because <laughs> you've been a big one about protecting the city sometimes if you're going to make these sacrifices you say about some blokes you, you do have to take their head off of because they aren't going to learn. And he's one of them. Yeah, so that's true. It's almost and like he's just bored. Like At least it'll give me something to do, do later in the year or whatever. So, But then I do think the end of Mojave Dent is very good. So it does mm. kind of charm it there. Yeah, I think the ending for me has to be Dark Knight. Again, for the reasons you just said. But you're right, it, it is annoying because I think it perfectly encapsulates the kind of tandem that the Joker and Batman play in the comics yeah, previously. Yeah. But still, if you're in that position, you know if there's someone clever enough or evil enough to escape police custody, it's him. So, yeah. and if you go if you go and put him in Arkham Asylum, he's going to literally poison everyone in there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I get you. Mm-hmm. With the raid, it was kind of like you've had this action epic the whole way up. I don't really want to see it kind of it kind of ends in a whimper after you've got the heights of the big uh, mad dog fight scene, and then you kind of go up top and it's like it deserved a, a de- it deserved a bigger send off. I think I agree. It was pretty kind of flimsy for me where the lieutenant shoots his like man in the head and because well, he wants to be the boss and then tries to kill himself and can't and then just walks out that's not for me it was like when you'd stay up for like a wrestling pay-per-view and then it would end with a dq in the main event <laughs> i didn't know he keeps hold of his belt and i didn't stay up for this i stayed up for a big finale i want to see a pinfall <laughs> what, what would you pick for the ending sean my, my pick was for the dark night <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, be the dark night as well. I kind of agree with you. There's, I have issues with, with both, but uh, overall, if I had to pick one, it would be the dark night. That's one that doesn't annoy me the, the least, or annoys me the least. Sorry. And then, finally, for chemistry, it is kind of like for this one, we've got whether it's between two good guys, two villains, a good guy and a bad guy, that kind of thing, and the chemistry with Batman and the Joker, and I guess. Harvey Dent and Batman is why chemistry for me would go to the Dark Knight because I think you've got so many great actors in there and they do all play off each other perfectly. Whereas the chemistry in the raid is essentially like Rama and then <laughs> you don't really warm to any other character. Mad Dog is the closest you warm to. Yeah. And his brother's in the film. <laughs> well, he kind of warms to the brother at the end. You? Not hugely because it was kind of like, look, I'm going to stay here for some random reason. And then suddenly 
he he just decides to turn coat for half an hour and but then still says I've got no interest in coming home to my family. I quite like it here. Well with chemistry I was actually thinking of um like Bruce Wayne's chemistry with Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman's character. Yeah. Um, and I thought they they bounce off each other quite well. Yeah, uh, it's all very good. So yeah, I, I would vote Dark uh, Dark Knight as well. All right, so I'll give you the final score now. So we got 15 categories, so there, there won't be a tie then, will there? We've got 15 uh, any point. So it ends 9-6 to the Dark Knight, but usually we'll have four of us, won't we? So sometimes you get a tie on the categories. So. Uh, yeah, true, true. So the Dark Knight does progress. There was a scare in there. I could hear Jack uh, get out of it. Getting a bit tetchy. Uh, <laughs> I thought there, I was going to get so. robbed of my favourite film. Hey, Sean. Sean wasn't happy when Bruce Almighty lost first time around. So <laughs> that was a travesty. Well, Sean, I mean, I give give you props. You hear, I I was sceptical as to whether you'd be here for season two, but. You did leave while doing the scoring last time in favour of doing a Zoom quiz. Yeah, but I told you what my... Well, that shows you how long ago it was. But also, Yeah, I know, four months ago. Also told you what my votes were. Yeah. So, I mean, you weren't there to sway anyone, so we were all big fans of Sex Drive. Jack was a big fan of Sex Drive as well. If yeah. he was on, it could have been a mauling. One of the worst films I've ever watched. It was cult, though. I remember I told this story to Byron where I'd log into my parents' Sky Go on my Xbox upstairs in my room and he'd just trawl through what comedy films had been released or what was on there. And I remember seeing it because we used to take this piss out of this kid who thought he gets loads of girls when he started going to the gym and the opening scene of him benching and then getting a blowjob at the same time. We just I remember videoing it on our phone and sending it to him. He was not happy. <laughs> Well, I can now press on the little tournament. So the Dark Knight does go through 9-6, as we said. So that will face the winner of Bad Boys 2 against Mad Max, which we have next week. Well, how come it was, uh, was it based on revenue? Like, why is it Bad Boys 2 over Bad Boys 1? Um, Essentially, me and Keenan spent about an hour and a half picking and I've not actually seen either. You haven't seen Bad Boys? No. no. Or Mad Max? I've seen Mad Max. I've seen Mad Max. Um, And Keenan said that a lot of people prefer Bad Boys 2 and then I looked at a review and it said essentially Bad Boys 2 is the film that um, what's his name? The director I'll be more set for next week. Michael Bay. So essentially, Bad Boys 2 is the film Michael Bay would have made the first time around if he'd had the budget he had for the second one. So. Bad Boys 2 probably is the better one, to yeah. be fair. So yeah, that, that was the pick. We, we spent ages doing it and whittling it down. So, And Jack, if you're unfamiliar, what we're going to do is after the end of round one, we agree what we think the weakest film is that progressed. And then we do two wildcard weeks where we each pick a film that we feel should have made the bracket but didn't. Right. And we go to a public vote and they see if uh, 
it can knock out one of the things of round one to go through. But we've still got oh, that's 15 weeks before we get onto that. So awesome. And a Christmas bracket in between. So there we go. The Dark Knight is through 9 6. We'll have Keenan back with us next week. So we'll have an extra pair of uh, hands to do the judging. Mad Max against Bad Boys 2. And we should have another interview out before then if all things go to plan. So keep your eyes peeled on the Spitballing Pod feed. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back. Goodbye.